Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 215 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maracle. Well, Jacob. My heart skipped a beat a little bit there. You said 215. Oh, so many episodes, man. It's a so lot of episodes. Many. And in usual Michelle fashion, this one's going to be a downer. Yeah, it's, it's our usual uplifting episode. I mean, I can't help since it. the world we live in is so happy, I mean, the, <laughs> la- the, the number one show on TV is only The Last of Us about a possible fungus making us all zombies. So, hey, what are you going to do? That is true. But... Yeah, sometimes I think we should do like a fun episode and we'll laugh and we'll have a good time. And then I look at the news and I'm like, no, No, we will not. Not going to happen. We're (laughs) we're trying, but it just nothing's helping us out. Maybe maybe the Sabres win the Stanley Cup and then we can have a happy sports episode. I don't know that I think that's going to happen either. I don't think it will either. But, you know, crazier things have happened. It could, it could happen. (laughs) It's just my tea that gets me through this whole life. Just keep sipping. So... Um, everyone obviously knows about this event, but we're going to get deep into it here. So on February 3rd, terrible accident, 38 cars from a Norfolk Southern train derailed, damaging another 12 cars and crashed in East Palestine, Ohio, spilling toxic chemicals into the soil, the water, the air. Um, there were 20 cars on this train that were carrying hazardous materials, and 11 of them derailed. Yeah, I mean, you know, regulations are dumb, so. (laughs) Super dumb. So on February 6th, then, the government conducted this controlled burn of the hazardous chemicals because of fears that this really hazardous, highly flammable material might ignite. So we might as well burn it ourselves to have control, and they had the residents evacuate. Um, You know, and this was to also prevent a potentially deadly explosion because toxic vinyl chloride gas was vented and burned which just sounds like it's a great thing to have in the air just the sound of it i mean just seeing that black plume of smoke that was over the town for days was really really scary so then two days afterwards um residents were told that it was safe to return to the area but now of course (laughs) residents are reporting signs that imply that the area is maybe not safe and that a massive ecological disaster is unfolding mm-hmm. right before us. Look, uh, you know, if I may recommend a book to the people of Ohio, there's a little thing called Love Canal they might want to look into that could possibly have some kind of parallel for what they're going to have going forward. I'm just saying. As well. Like, we're not going to get into that, Jacob. Come <laughs> on now. So people have reported that they're experiencing nausea, headaches, rashes, burning eye sensations and like a bunch Basic, of other bas- stuff basically a good saturday night when you were like 18 man that's that's kind of what you want and you're not going to believe this jacob these oh. symptoms that they have it turns out that this volatile organic compound that was released by the controlled explosion it can cause symptoms similar to those that the people in east palestine are, record- are reporting imagine what? that what? oh wow what what are the odds of that i mean there's i'm sure there's no correlation though it's probably got nothing not. to do so officials are deeming that the site is safe but as i said the locals are kind of reporting otherwise the smell of chlorine was also reportedly lingering in the air for days after the controlled burn uh, cl- after people were re- Turning. Chlorine, uh, that would be the gas that was banned worldwide for warfare after World War One because it was deemed too dangerous. So people are just smelling that in the air. So yeah, have fun with that, everyone. <laughs> or maybe it's not chlorine. Maybe it's like coline. It's uh, something. There's a bunch of them, but yeah. it's something just like that. Yeah. So it has been confirmed that hazardous chemicals did spill into the Ohio River, 
which is connected through rivers and basins in 14 states mm-hmm. and provides drinking water to over 5 million people. At least 3,500 fish have died that they know of as a result of the derailment. And additionally, many residents have reported that their chickens, their foxes, their cows, their house pets are all suffering and dying as a result of this tem- toxic chemical release. I was literally just watching the remake of The Crazies like not too long ago, and it's pretty much this exact scenario. It's you're not turning people into zombies, obviously, but this is like the same exact thing that happens in that one, which is like, oh, there's an accident. Next thing you know, everybody's infected. In it the just town. feels really bad, and we're never trying to. I don't want to spread any misinformation because I know the EPA is saying that the area is safe. Mm-hmm. I am just going on reports of people living there and what they're saying. And what we do know for fact is that vinyl chloride, the chemical released from the crash, is extremely toxic mm-hmm. and that long exposure to it can severely affect a person's liver kidneys lungs spleen nervous system so like it's no joke what is in the air and in the water i guess it's just a matter of figuring out how much yeah like and what, how much can people handle what are the levels that people can have without you know go, dying basically like what are quote-unquote healthy levels for people to have it because it gets healthy levels of zero but i mean if you have to go through it yeah i mean officials are saying the water is safe to drink but people are super worried about the long-term effects that this disaster may have on like groundwater systems mm-hmm. and water supply which is definitely a very valid fear and, yeah and food too like you, like they said people got their chickens and there's cows there i'm sure it's Can ohio you eat the vegetables you're even growing in your own backyard that's, like those are those are definite that's, fears that's, that's why i avoid vegetables man i don't <laughs> eat any of these toxins coming in Same. So we may not know the full extent of the damage from this extreme environmental disaster for many years is which, you know, that's what it turns out with many of these situations. Is Mm -hmm. this a slow burn? Which it probably unfortunately will be like we're going to be hearing about people getting sick for years like in about what 10 15 years you're going to hear about increased cancer rates and like child uh, I mean child sickness rates. I mean those are probably going to go up. uh, And we're just kind of basing that on, you know, history and what we've seen. So The worst part of it all is that the investigation found that while the crew didn't do anything wrong Mm -hmm. prior to the derailment, the crash was 100% preventable. Yeah, which is infuriating when you think about it. Like, this whole thing could have been prevented, but, of course, some man-made decisions are the reason. Money. Yeah, pretty much. It's always just money. Because there's video of the train before the derailment, and it showed what appeared to be like an overheated wheel bearing. And that is what they're reporting in that. When, you're, when your wheel it. bearing is glowing red, it's usually a sign you need to slow down or take a break or something like that. Just, and now this, this giant train crash in Greece? I didn't hear about that one. Oh, Greece, my gosh. Greek, Greek one too? Yes, it's really bad. It's terrible. A bunch of people are dead. And I would just like to add that... You know, I'm you know I'm a nervous traveler because I mm-hmm. hate flying. Yeah. I have a fear of I'm, flying. Hey, we're, we're the same there. I'm cool with other stuff, but I'm going on a trip in May that involves two week of train travel, which doesn't feel great right now. No, it no, no. Feel I, good. I I wouldn't think it would. <laughs> two weeks of train travel, yikes. <sighs> I mean I like the train in general. I love riding on the train, but I'm gonna find you some train related fiction. A lot of murder on the Orient Expresses or like you have to watch like Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, we're going to get you there. Don't worry. Okay. I look forward to it. So when stuff like this happens and when it's in the news, 
we like to bring it into the pod and mm-hmm. give you some suggestions on things that you can read or watch to maybe have a better understanding. Yeah, and of course, it's going to be nothing but uplifting stuff that's going to make <laughs> yes. your day so much brighter. So. I you know, wasn't playing in the beginning. This be a downer. Yeah, you're going to need a weighted blanket and a whole <laughs> bunch of like just sitting around everybody before you before you check some of these out. Yeah, your weighted blanket is required while reading. So the first book I want to recommend, I just finished it. It was one of the best books I've read in a long time, and I am highly, highly encouraging everyone in this area to read it. And it is about what Jacob mentioned before, which is Love Canal. The book is called Paradise Falls, The True Story of an Environmental Catastrophe by Keith O'Brien. Um, I think a lot of us know about, obviously, Love Canal because we live so close to it, but mm-hmm. this is like the in-depth stuff that you probably miss almost because you're so close to it. So this is a really staggering story of an unlikely band of mothers who in the 1970s discovered that Hooker Chemicals... um, Great name, by the way. I mean, yeah. Had this deadly secret, which is Love Canal, and it exposed one of America's most devastating toxic waste disasters, and it actually sparked the modern environmental movement as we know it today. So the main kind of character is Lois Gibbs, and then we have Luella Kenny. And the, there's a lot of other mothers in the neighborhood, and they love where they live. It's the east side of Niagara Falls. It had an elementary school, a playground, rows of adorable little houses. But in the spring of 1977, these pungent odors began to seep into the houses. And it didn't take them long to be worried, like, what are we smelling? What is this? Because it had that, like, sickly sweet smell yeah. of chemicals. So your brain just naturally knows when you're smelling something that ain't right. So absolutely. So New York Times journalist Keith O'Brien uncovers how at that time Gibbs and Kenny exposed the poisonous secrets buried in their neighborhood because the school and the playground had been built on top of an old canal, Mm. which is Love Canal. Always a good idea. That hooker chemical, the city's largest employer, had quietly filled with 20,000 tons of toxic waste in the 1940s and 1950s. And now this waste is leaching to the surface, causing this public health crisis in the way that America had really never seen before. So you get a lot of unknown stories of what Hooker Chemical did, um, the local newspaper man who really was crucial in exposing this. We have a scientist, a congressional staffer who tried to help, and really the mothers that were the group that really pushed this through because they're like, my children are sick. Yeah. Like, I know something... um, isn't right and then they would take their fight all the way to the top winning support from the epa the white house and even president jimmy carter um so by the time this was all over this story had really captured all of america and i just have to say that this book is sweeping and electrifying i was so into it i could not put it down it is the perfect example of the effects of corporate pollution um and you know, the modern environmental movement as we know it today. There's actually like a part in the book where some like government people are like, I don't understand what they're so upset about. I mean, we got these things buried all over the country. Yeah, it's like, like, oh, great. It doesn't, that doesn't help. I I don't feel better. I get so frustrated when I hear people talk about, yeah, I want to go back to the good old times. Oh, the good old times when they were just burying toxic waste and putting school children on top of it while smoking cigars and being drunk Hooker Chemical filled that pit 
with waste, covered it up, and then they sold it for one dollar to the school board to build a school. There. I'll bet you they didn't. I don't. I don't. I don't know the specific. I bet you they didn't even like pour concrete on it. They just like uh, put some loose dirt on there. Probably because there was a playground that was just grass that kids would play yeah. at, and then they would come home and like the bottom of their shoes would be burnt off. Which I can't. Okay. I can't. I'm not gonna say that the kids. And the parents, you know, dude, if your kids come home and their shoes are melting, like they're not going back to that school the next day, just flat off. Like, well, what, this running was all fire? part of it because, you know, people are like, these are our houses, our money's vested in this. This is the school that we send our kids to. So it is a fascinating book. Again, you live in the, this general area. You're an Erie County resident. You have to check out Paradise Falls. Yeah. Ugh, all right. Nice my movie guy. Get right over to Niagara Falls after that, let me tell you. I actually do want to go tour the area. Do I need, you, I need to see it. I'm fascinated. I got a book for you to read about why that might not be a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next, uh, the movie choice we're going to go with today is one that's based on a completely fictional scenario about a war between the United States and Russia. I mean, that would never happen. No way. Why we got to worry about that? So it is uh, the day after the 1983 television film by ABC that it is completely shocking that this was on TV to begin with. Have you ever seen this one? Oh, my God. It's got the guy from ER, though, right? Uh, I don't think so. No, it's got Joe Beth Williams, Steve Gutenberg, uh, Jason Robards, and John Lithgow are the huh, ones in this okay, one. Okay, I'm thinking of something what, different. I wonder which one you're thinking of. Yeah. I don't even know who in ER was doing nuclear dramas. <gasps> um, so this one, it's okay. So it's about these people in the small Kansas town, small Kansas, Missouri town of Kansas City. You know, little little place that nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> um, they're just going about their daily lives. All of a sudden, uh, we're introduced to this huge cast of characters. And at the middle of the day, just they look in the distance and all these missiles just are shooting out of silos, which are correctly hidden in the Midwest of the United States. Mm-hmm. That's where we keep our nuclear ones. So everybody's like, oh, that's probably not good. And about a couple minutes later, we get the cities get nailed themselves with a bunch of nuclear bombs that were fired by uh, Russia. This was all kicked off by a, uh, NATO forces and Russian forces fi- um, fighting over in Eastern Europe. So because of the Warsaw Pact, you know, they went to... Russia attacked or U.S. attacked. They never mm-hmm. really get into it. They're just like, they started fighting. They it start, doesn't really matter it, once it, the nuclear bombs are out. It does not. They're fighting. Half, three quarters of the cast just gets wiped out. So they spent oh. an hour and a half show, introducing these people. They're just gone. And then the rest of the movie is just the people that survived it having to deal with the very real aftermath of this. So we have like... Raiders, we have people going around killing other people for supplies. Sounds like a Jacob movie all the way. All like civility is gone. They're dealing with radiation sickness because all half of the cast is just walking around after nuclear bombs. So they're just getting all this nuclear fission and like radiation. They're getting all this dust landing on them. So they all start to get sick. They get pretty surprisingly graphic for the 80s on the makeup effects on the people that. I do love my practical effects, yeah. though. It is. The nuclear explosion is actually really cool, the way they do it. It's They're not at all trying to shield it. It is pretty horrific to see. Oh, it's just such a surprisingly good movie that I can't believe was on just regular pay TV on the Disney, basically. Yeah, I've never out. even heard of it. It is pretty great. It's a pretty long one. It had huge viewing, over 100 million people. It went to 100 million households when it first aired. People have seen it. It's a little hard to find now, but of course, your local library will have a copy of it for I you. I mean, maybe did you look? I did look at it. Okay. We do have a copy because okay. I, I got it from yes. the library. So don't don't worry. We're good there. Okay. Um, it, Excellent. So it came out in 1983. They didn't put it on DVD until 2004, which kind of tells you. Didn't how, do so well. Well, it did well, but it's how rare it is to find and how depressing <laughs> this movie truly is. But if you want one that kind of depicts what aftermath of nuclear war is, I mean, not that we'd have to worry 
here in Buffalo because they specifically say that New York and California all got wiped out. But oh, hey, okay. you know, it's not a good situation. You probably don't want this to happen to you. All right. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, happy to do it. You're keeping the theme and I appreciate it. So the next book, this is a wild one too. It is called Exposure, Poisoned Water, Corporate Greed, and One Lawyer's 20-Year Battle Against DuPont by Robert Billet. This is kind of like a book for Aaron Brockovich fans. It's like a David versus Goliath tale with like a twist to it. Very true. So in 1998, Rob Billet began a legal battle against DuPont that would consume the next 20 years of his life, which, <laughs> yeah, like thinking Oof. about that is crazy. Uncovering the worst case of environmental contamination in modern history and a corporate cover-up that put the health of hundreds of thousands, honestly at this point, if not millions of people oh, I'm at sure, risk. I'm sure by this point it's it's reached it. Yeah, so he was representing at first a single farmer who was convinced that the creek on his property had been poisoned by runoff from a nearby DuPont landfill um, and then Rob ultimately discovers the truth about PFAS, which is this like unregulated toxic chemicals that's used in manufacturing Teflon and okay. a host of other household goods um, and DuPont's own scientists had issued all of these internal warnings for years about the harmful effects of these PFAFs on human health, but the company, surprisingly, continued to allow these chemicals to leach into public drinking water until Rob forced them to kind of face the consequences. So this is just an unforgettable legal drama um, that I think Jacob will also be talking about in uh, a minute. It just might be. Um, and just the absolute failings of environmental regulation and this one person, this one lawyer's quest to expose the truth about this previously unknown, is this on? Because still unregulated mm -hmm. chemical I mean, that why? presents one of the greatest human health crises in the 21st century. I mean, why would we want to regulate something like that? I mean, you know, you know, it's very important that everybody has shiny paint. It doesn't matter what kind of. <laughs> and then you don't want your eggs to leave a mark on your pan. Absolutely not. I don't want them sticking, man. What am I going to do? Buy another pan? This Get is why lobbying should be illegal. This should not be a job that exists. No, it's. it's you should not be able to pay the government money so that they overlook things. You know, I was looking at a dictionary the other day, and I believe that is what they, that book would define as a bribe. I don't know about you. <laughs> I but. mean, it does seem that way. So hopefully you're going to talk about, talk, I, can I, you, could you talk about the documentary, please? I'm obsessed with it. I, I'm not talking about the documentary, unfortunately, right. but I am going to talk about the uh, the fictional, quote unquote, version of this movie. Well, okay, I guess that it, was good too. I guess it wouldn't be fictional. It's autobiographical. Also. Yeah. So the 19, or the 2019 movie, uh, Dark Waters, um, Goes over this very subject. Um, it stars Mark Ruffalo. It's got Anne Hathaway in there. Tim Robbins is kicking around. Uh, Mayor Willingham. Uh, Bill Pullman is in there as well. Um, as we know, he is the inferior Bill, but unfortunately, it's all we're stuck with at this point. <laughs> so this it goes over the entire thing. Now, the fact that Mark Ruffalo is the star of it should already tell you that this is going to be a good movie. Because when you get a good yeah, actor in it, you're already going to you all great. So it does. It goes over like his how he found out about it. Um, show gives you the book does a good example of describing it, but the movie does a very good example of showing you exactly what that means. Yes. So they have like the the two like the exhaust pipes, I guess that's what they're called, just shooting right into the river, 
like looking dirty as heck. All these animals, the riverbanks are and all the kinds of destroyed. Are jacked up yeah. from drinking it. Uh, I mean, it's like literally the Simpsons episode with the three-eyed fish. It's basically exactly what it is. It's like they're just kind of looking the other way and like, yeah. oh, I'm sure those are, com- I'm sure those chemicals are completely unrelated to all the animals and death that's like downriver from it. And it goes to the extent to where these companies are just paying people off or just callously don't care because if they had to fix it, it's going to screw up their bottom line. And like the EPA was also just awful. Mm-hmm. They would like come and be like, no, nah, it seems OK. And I was like, you made money. I mean, normally I would compl- like, you know, you could try to make this kind of a political thing, but you can't because Clinton was the president before this, like going on, like he'd been president for eight years. So I mean, it's all terrible. Yeah, exactly. So this everybody is, caves to every, the almighty dollar. Yeah, Everybody had a hand in this. Everybody knew it was a thing. They could have tightened regulations and they didn't. So. I mean, speaking of everybody, and this is a 100 percent true fact that if you don't know it, I'm really sorry to tell you it. But every single human in the United States, including unborn babies, have Teflon in their system Mm -hmm. because of these chemicals that we have been drinking in our water. And I don't know about you, but I don't need my insides being all slippery, man. I have a a feeling that it's supposed to be kind of sticky because there's nutrients and stuff to be had. So I'm just telling you, man, I need some stuff. It's just sliding around. It's like flipping around in your body. It's like, what's going on, man? I mean, it's 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 just terrible to come out of the womb and you're like, I have Teflon in me. That's messed up. We we don't talk enough about how doctors have to go to a ground ball based Baseball training because babies are just flying right <laughs> flying right out of there because of the Teflon man. <laughs> it's like, a horrible image. <laughs> um, so if you want more information, you can also go read um, the other books like Stain Resistant, Nonstick, Waterproof, and Lethal: The Hidden Dangers of C8 by uh, Kelly Lins is another book on this. Okay. So, like I said, there's tons of books on this idea, and I'm sure there's some other chemical getting shot into the rivers these days that we don't even know about that we're going to see in movies 10 years from now starring Zendaya or something. (laughs) The documentary that I mentioned that also really explains it is called The Devil We Know. Um, It was on Netflix. I'll have to check and see if we have it. I don't know. I don't know if it's something that was ever available for sale or for just streaming, but it's definitely a good one. Okay, so the next book, one that I am currently reading, is called Amity and Prosperity, One Family and the Fracturing of America by Eliza Griswold. This was actually the winner of the 2019 Pulitzer Prize for general nonfiction. Okay. So in this book, um, Griswold tells the story of the energy boom's impact on a small town at the edge of Appalachia and then one woman's transformation from a struggling single parent to an unlikely activist. So the main character in this is Stacy Hanny. She's a local nurse. She's working hard to raise her two kids, keeping up her small farm, when this fracking boom comes to the hometown of Amity, Pennsylvania. And people are really intrigued by reports of this lucrative natural gas leases that they're kind of mm-hmm. leaving these notes in people's mailboxes, like, we're not going to take your land, we're going to lease it from you to do this really clean, you know, they're, energy they're just, dig. They're just coming in like the dude from There Will Be Blood. He's just like, I would like to purchase your I land. I mean, really, pretty much that. So she strikes a deal with this Texas, Texas-based energy company, and then soon, you know, the trucks are rumbling by her farm, um, and there's this fenced-off drill site that she can see on this adjacent hilltop, 
And then all of a sudden it's weird because the domestic animals and the pets start to die. And then this mysterious sickness begins to afflict her children. So she kind of appeals to the company for help and its representatives. You're going to be surprised by this. Mm-hmm. Insist that nothing is wrong. Well, I mean, it's and again, all these stories are completely made up. None yeah, of it's true. No, what are you talking about? So she's really alarmed by her children's illnesses, and she joins with neighbors, um, this other really committed husband and wife team that you learn about um, in the book. And they want to know what is really in the water and what is in the air. Um, They're like oxygen. H2O, that's what's it, hydrogen, a little bit in there. Yes. So soon this community that has been long suspicious of outsiders faces this wrenching new questions about who's responsible for their fate and who is going to redress this. And, I mean, are these faceless corporations that are poisoning the land, are they responsible? Yes. Is it the environmentalists who fail to see and report this economic distress? Yes. Is it a federal government that is mandated to protect us but fails to do their job? Yes. Exactly. So this is drawing on seven years of immersive reporting, and Griswold reveals what happens when an imperiled town because they are very often mm-hmm. Appalachian towns where they come into these people, they take their land, they dig for coal, they dig for oil, they frack, and they leave those towns with nothing. And you know, Well, they didn't leave them with nothing. They left them with a lot of health concerns. Yes. <laughs> they left them with a lot of problems. They had nothing positive. Yes, but, but it's like about you know small-time people but they and their improbable quest for justice. But they did give you $200 a month for a little while there. So. And I mean, people are poor, so they're like, oh, that works. And then they up and they leave, and the land is destroyed, and the water is destroyed, and they took the jobs with them. It's just really, really terrible, yeah. and it really is Appalachia for a lot of it. These people have suffered for a really long time. And then, you know, occasionally then the people who do this end up going on and buying a hockey and football team in western New York, and they're just spending their money on that kind of stuff. But we're not going to talk about that. It's gross stuff. If we don't, don't like it. If you don't know what fracking is, everyone, that is when they just shoot a bunch of water. I, I don't even remember if the water's like got chemicals in and stuff. I think it does. They have Yeah, because they have to drill yeah. so low to get to the mm-hmm. natural gas, and then they have like then it like shoots off to the side. Yeah, and then they shoot this in there to push it to the top, and that's how they retrieve all the rest of this gas. Oh, and then it just, as you can imagine, you start messing up with how land and la- soil and stuff is setting. It starts falling. It starts screwing it up completely. There's runoff, and they have been pushing forever. Like, but it's the clean energy. It's the clean energy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just say whatever you want. Anything you got to burn, probably not clean energy. That's all I'm saying, man. But yeah. ah, so so far, I'm I'm, I'm really into the book. Love. <laughs> oh yeah, it sounds like a good one. Man. It's a subject not a lot of people know about that they should probably pay more attention to, considering Pennsylvania is really close and it's a boon. And you know, I don't know if anybody heard, but we just recently had an earthquake around here that I'm sure yeah. is completely unrelated to the land that's, falling. That's interesting. One state away. Do you, by chance, are you talking about the movie Promised Land or no? Uh, I am not. But okay, well that was a that yeah. was an okay movie. It had Matt Damon and John Krasinski, Matt but it's Damon. about. Uh, I wonder, like, I wonder why you watched it if Krasinski's walking around. In I know. I think he like was he bearded or unbearded? Rated. Oof, I don't remember. I think unbearded oh, actually. So it's less serious, Krasinski. Less okay. serious, but right. it's a pretty good movie that covers fracking because I don't. I can't think of any other movies that do. Not yet. No, you will. But of not, course you not will. Quite. When it's too late. <laughs> when it's too late. Yeah, it's two years in the future. You're like, oh, turns out, uh, it completely makes people's heads fall off when they turn fifty-four. Who knew? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, now we know that. All right. What do you have? All right. So because. She, her name always comes up with stuff like this Ohio thing happens. We got to hit up 2000's Aaron Brockovich because people get mad at us. Love I, that movie to death. Well, I actually heard, they, she got, he's on the news all the time now. 
Uh, people are even wondering why Julia Roberts is not talking more about Ohio, which is a re- completely ridiculous. Yeah, thing she's to be like, I played about. a part. Yeah, Listen to the part real Aaron. Twenty three years ago, so so this is the movie that put Steven Soderbergh really on the map. It won Julia Roberts her um her Oscar, which most people thought she would have uh, way before that. But it's basically about uh, Aaron Brockovich, portrayed by uh, Julia Roberts, and her fight against the energy corporation Pacific Gas and Electric Company recall, regarding its culpability for the Hinkley groundwater contamination Ugh. incident, which, as we covered with dark water, involved a bunch of chemicals getting into the it's water and making always, the whole population it's sick. Groundwater. It's always groundwater. I mean, uh, just it, the thing we need to live. But anyway, yeah, I interrupt. It's only one of the two most important things <laughs> that humans need, period. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it just basically another corporation pumps chemicals into the ground in the water and it contaminates what everybody's drinking and the local populace gets sick and they deny all culpability. And then they find out when it's too late that they were and everybody gets a little bit of money. And I think like we it's all okay. love the story so much because Aaron Brockovich was just a one of us yeah like she wasn't this highly educated lawyer she's not in the government she is just a person who deeply cares about other human beings yeah and she showed up and you know she did make a difference i'll say that she yeah. did give these people like you know some money that's not going to help them overall but it's better than nothing i suppose but. i mean at least helps pay for their medical bills yeah and she hasn't been like a one and done either like i said she still shows up to all these um all these kind of environmental accidents it's kind of sad that all these years later she still has to show up because you would think over all this time people would think like we should probably stop doing the very things that she's having to show up for. It just it it makes me laugh sometimes because you hear people like oh we need these activists here I'm like would why won't you just listen to what they're telling you and you wouldn't have to worry about it in the first place yeah but (laughs) I love that movie I love the scene where she's meeting with like the other fancy lawyers that are going to help with this case. And they're definitely like the one is woman is talking down to her. And she's like, just because I'm not educated like you, don't act like I'm not doing a good job. And the woman's like, well, you didn't even, you don't even have phone numbers for half these people. And she's like, name a person. And then she gives their phone number. She lists their ailments. Mm-hmm. She lists their kids' names. She lists their ailments. She lists like external family. Like, I just love it. And then the lawyer lady is like, I think we got off on the wrong foot. And she's like, that's all you have, lady. Two wrong feet and effing ugly shoes. That's which, my which favorite are, part. Which were both probably caused by chemicals being shot <laughs> into the water when you were a child. I could. I haven't watched that in a while, and it. I love it every time. Well, it is. What a stupid argument for a lawyer to try to make. You don't know where phone numbers. We got up. There's a book that has all these people's names yeah, and numbers. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Jerk. I know what I'm doing. Okay, this book, another really important, unbelievably tragic event that I feel like we stopped talking about. Um, which is The Poisoned City, Flint's Water and the American Urban Tragedy by Anna Clark. Remember Flint, everybody? That's that place that we could have replaced all their pipes for about a week's worth of war in Afghanistan. I just can't. So when the people of Flint, Michigan, turned on their faucets, this was April of 2014, the water pouring out was poisoned with lead Mm. and other toxins. Lead is the thing that you're not even allowed to paint your house with anymore, let alone drink it anymore, folks. So through a series of disastrous decisions, this is the way that this came to be, is that the state government, they had switched the city's water supply to a source that corroded Flint's aging lead pipes. So there was all these complaints about really foul-smelling water. They were dismissed. And the residents of Flint, who, of course, were mostly poor and African-American, were not seen as credible, Mm -mm. even in matters of their own life. Why would they be? NBD. So it took 18 months of activism by city residents and a a band of kind of outsiders to force the state to admit that the water was poisonous. By that time, 12 people had died, and Flint's children had suffered really 
irreparable harm. Yeah. Like this is in their system now. And the long battle for accountability and a human response to this man-made disaster, I feel like is almost still just begun. Like they were like, here's some bottled water. Everybody relax. I mean, they haven't fixed it. Nothing's been fixed in Flint. I haven't heard about it in a while. So no, is like kind of they did it. some stuff, but I know people were like, I don't trust this. I'm not comfortable with this I at mean, all. I don't know about you, but I can certainly like it when my water can get set on fire. I mean, that's always oh, a good those thing to are, me. That's a lot with the fracking you get too. Mm-hmm. People's water set on fire because of the gas in it. So this is the first full account of this truly American tragedy. And it's a really gripping story of their poisoned water, the people who caused it, the people who suffered from it, um, and kind of just the chronicle of this one town. But the thing is, it could be any American city. Yeah. I mean, very, very easily because this is the neglect of infrastructure, um, the really erosion of democratic decision making. So places like Flint, they're just set up to fail. Yeah, I mean, it's not totally their fault because, like I said, these these um, cities were built in the 1800s. So they have all the infrastructure of the time, but nobody's really updated it since then. And so people cut corners when it involves poor people. They don't care. They cut so corners when it involves rich people, too. So it's like if it's poor people, you know, it's going to be 10 times it's worse. It's going to be. Yes, that is absolutely correct. So definitely check out The Poisoned City. Uh, yeah, enjoy the movie about seven years from now, which, I, again, will I'll be yeah, definitely... Yeah, where is that movie? I don't, I'm actually surprised that hasn't I am a little bit, too. I mean, somebody's got to be looking for a... To make like some money off of that real quick. I'm, I mean, I'm that's shocked. Usually, I'm yes, shocked that's it hasn't usually what happens. All right, what else? All right, so uh, let's go with the disaster movie that actually turned out to come true, which is always fun to find out okay. about. We got 1979's The China Syndrome. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. Starring Jane Fonda, Jack Lemmon, Michael Douglas. Great movie. Uh, yeah, great movie. I haven't seen it in a while. I think I got to mm-hmm. go. It's got Wilford Brimley in it, so. Well, you know then. <laughs> you get two tragedies. You get to worry about <laughs> nuclear um, disasters, and you get to think about diabetes. Poor, poor Walter. <laughs> Oh, so basically, with this movie, uh, it won. It premiered at Cannes, um, which again, it was. Um, it competed for the Palme d'Or. You know, it didn't win it, but it did win Jack Lemmon a uh, Best Oscar nomination. Okay. I don't remember if he won or not, but basically, it is about a nuclear power plant that is basically hiding that it had a meltdown, <laughs> and people like it's trying to hide it from the populace. And some reporters find out about it and try to bring it to light. This movie premiered 12 days before Three Mile Island happened. That's insane. That is crazy, dude. Like, it literally overlapped with a real-life event. So, needless (sighs) to say... the box office for this movie went through the roof after <laughs> after the Three Mile yeah. Island incident happened. I mean, it was so bad that they described the um, nuclear the nuclear contamination from it as going all the way to China. So think about that. They're I like, can't. it went all the way through the earth down there, and <laughs> it was like, oh, don't worry about. it. I'm sure it's going to be fine nuclear wise. It's like when you were a kid and they used to joke if you were digging in the yard, like I'm going to dig all the way to China. Well, you just need to stop by a nuclear plant. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they'll just they'll do it for you. I mean, that's what. They describe that's what the word chi- the phrase China syndrome stands for. It was huge contamination and breakdown of the safety protocols at a nuclear power plant. It's a, still a term that they use now, Ugh. even though they you think they would have changed it considering this movie came out. Um, but just a horrifying idea about the lack of regulation at the time in the nuclear power industry, which is probably still going on. I forgot people try to tell you that nuclear power is safe. Do not believe them. It is nowhere. Yeah, near it's safe. safe if nothing happens. Yeah, it's it's clean. Thank goodness they just made that discovery about fission, where they could finally get more energy out of it than they have to put into it. So that that be a safe version of it. So hopefully that's going to end up working out. But for now, man, nuclear power, mm, 
all, it may not be the thing to look at. Man. We're scared of all of it. All of it. I don't need to be glowing or any of that stuff. Or well, let's go back to one of the old pollutants that still happens. This book is called The Buffalo Creek Disaster, how the survivors of one of the worst disasters in coal mining history brought suit against the coal company and won ah, by coal. Gerald M. Stern. Oh, old, reliable coal. Old, reliable I'm, coal. Nothing like seeing huge <laughs> black plumes of smoke getting shot out of um, the, rea- the things that make them and being like, you know what? That's probably okay. So this is a suspenseful and a really completely absorbing story of how survivors of the worst coal mining disaster in history actually triumphed over corporate irresponsibility. And it's written by the lawyer who took on the case and won. So one Saturday morning, February 1972, waking up. Watching the electric company or something. (laughs) An impoundment dam owned by the Pitson Coal Company burst sending 130 million gallons, a 25-foot tidal wave of water, sludge, and debris, all crashing into southern West Virginia's Buffalo Creek Hollow. Again, we're talking about the Appalachia. They're just constantly getting it. It was one of the deadliest floods in U.S. history. 125 people were killed instantly. More than 1,000 were injured, and over 4,000 people we're just suddenly homeless. It's nothing like a huge wall of slurry coming at you to really wake you up oh. on a Saturday morning, let me tell you. Yeah, and so instead of offering the small settlements that you know the coal company offered through their insurance offices, a few hundred of the survivors banded together to sue, and they actually won, which, which is good. unbelievable that <laughs> it didn't take 40 years. Yeah, it didn't take all that time to get it done. And then, you know... Oh. We're still using coal and doing all those things. I mean, I have to say, everyone, today you walk in your house, you turn your lights on. You should really take a second to appreciate, like, that comes from people digging coal, from people fracking natural gas. They Mm -hmm. are working really hard jobs that we get really judgy of, but they are what is, you know, giving us power, creating our heat. And I think we do forget that people are doing these insane jobs mm-hmm. and for us. And they're continuing to do it because lobbyists, as we mentioned earlier, are in Washington making sure that none of these corporations ever have to not face safety regulations and that we never have to worry about the sun or wind for <laughs> our own yeah. renewable sources of energy. So. It's really difficult. I'm sad that our episode's getting long. Do like another. I have so many more books. I know. Well, we'll I'm do really, a, we'll I do guess a, we'll have to do a second episode at some point. Well, oh, God, we have to do a second episode about man-made disasters. <laughs> There's of, just too many. In, Enjoy that, everyone. Um, 2019's Chernobyl, if you want to not be able to sleep for a couple of weeks, you know, follow that one. Excellent HBO drama, hard to watch. Some of the best practical makeup effects you're going to see on TV because, man, these people are melting. Absolutely. And then the book Midnight in Chernobyl came out after that. That is also excellent. Uh, Miracle Mile, starring Anthony Edwards and Mayor Willingham. What uh, example of what happens when people kind of... That's it, Anthony Edwards. That's the ER Oh, guy. that's the ER that's one you were talking about. That's the movie I was okay. talking about. I, I, yes, I did have it on there. Um, so, yeah, basically what happens when rumors of a nuclear war kind of hit a neighborhood and nobody's totally sure if it's happening or not? That's always fun to happen. Oh. Uh, Deepwater Horizon. When our oh, good, What is that about? That's the, uh, the Marky Mark uh, 2016. I think Peter Berg directed it. Movie about um, the Deepwater uh, oil, oil platform. God, why am I not Is that the how? Exxon Valdez? No, no, no. It's like those offshore oil rigs. Yeah. The one that like exploded and started on fire. And it's about the people trying to escape that. Okay. And uh, we have oil rigs that just randomly explode and sure. burn up because we have to keep digging deeper and deeper into the earth to find oil because we can't figure out either ways to do it. 
Silkwood, you know, when corporations may or may not murder somebody who's trying to bring their wrongdoings to light. That's Yikes. always good. You get Meryl Streep in there. Yikes. I'm sure she was nominated for an Oscar because it's Meryl Streep. We love her so much. There's a ton, everybody. Go check them out. Well, I do want to just mention the book Not One Drop, Betrayal and Courage in the Wake of the Exxon Valdez Oil Spill by Ricky Ott. Um, at, the, at least, you know, at least now you know that, you know, that um, do- um, Dove soap can like clean off your hands or your dish soap can take off oil now. What you know is that. this? It's not Dove. Which one was it? I can't remember. It's the blue one. I know what it looks like in my head, but I can't. Downy or no, Downy's the Palm thing. Olive or. Okay, we'll go with Palm Olive. That but works. yeah, that was awful. So these were people who were really betrayed by the oilman's promises in the 1970s because the people of Prince William Sound, which is in Alaska, they wake up another just morning, March 14th, 1989, to the nation's largest oil spill. So this book is the tale of, again, the ordinary lives that are just ripped apart by these disasters and how these communities even heal Mm -hmm. or trust in anything ever again. Um, And it's interesting because the author is a rare combination of like PhD marine biologist, but also commercial salmon fisherwoman. Mm. So she really understands the whole thing and that that when this Exxon Valdez spilled most of its cargo – it despoiled thousands of miles of shore. I don't even, it was so disgusting to see. It ruined the fishing company for like 19 years. I'm like no doubt about it. Nothing was there. And I wouldn't you, be buying oil fish. Like, why would you? If I mean, they're not even there. They're like, yeah. they're dead. And it's just another example of how too many corporate owners and political leaders betray everyday citizens for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's really not great. And then a story. A situation I'd never even heard of, this book is called Tom's River, A Story of Science and Salvation by Dan Fagan. It was the winner of the Pulitzer Prize. Mm. And it is a story about um, one of New Jersey's little seaside towns, and it's called Tom's River. And it became a really unlikely setting for this decades-long drama that culminated in 2001 with one of the largest legal settlements um, in the in the years that we've had of toxic dumping mm. um so that i didn't even know that jersey went through that this was like totally new information to me but it's like for years large chemical companies had been using tom's river just as their private dumping ground burying tens of thousands of leaky drums in open pits and discharging billions of gallons of acid laced wastewater into the town's namesake river it explains a lot about jersey it really oh, does stop it uh, we ever wonder how jason Voorhees uh gets the ability to come back to life he's drinking straight out of tom's river man makes him invincible <gasps> you're the stupidest person do you know that uh, yeah i'm not the one that gave jersey shore is from jersey too and sitting next to the water well, they're dumping chemicals they're i'm just dealing saying with tom's river but I mean, we're out of time, and mostly I don't want to traumatize listeners anymore. So, Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So, we don't want to traumatize you, but if you want to traumatize yourself <laughs> and look into the subject more, we got a, we can help you out. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by, tell them we want the man-made disaster depression section, <laughs> and we'll lead you right to it. Also, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what kind of programs we got going on, uh, happenings about, and, you know, we got a bunch of good stuff going on. So, go ahead and check out that website folks um and remember when i said i didn't want to like bring people down anymore yeah you lied to us. <laughs> 100% lied back on the exxon valdez oil spill just want you to know that 11 cargo tanks ruptured on impact and dumped 11 million gallons of crude oil mm. across 1300 miles of alaskan shoreline awesome awesome there's like over 250,000 seabirds died um 
almost 3,000 sea otters, so many marine mammals. Otters, folks. Otters. Otters. One of the cutest animals on Earth. How dare you? They're just murdering otters. Jacob, do you know about the Gulf of Mexico dead zone? Mm, No. I would love to tell you. So in 1985, scientists began mapping a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, a dead zone is a hypoxic zone with low oxygen and nutrient levels that is inhospitable to most marine life. And this one reappears each summer. The disaster starts in the Mississippi River. So for years, humans have polluted the Mississippi River, pesticides, industrial waste, toxic chemicals, you name it. And the river drains into the Gulf, okay? And it dumps excess nutrients, including nitrogen and phosphorus, into the water, and it causes algae blooms. These blooms create this hypoxic zone in the Gulf as they decay and take oxygen with them. Nothing can live there. They keep monitoring it to measure it. And in 2021, um, its size is currently 4 million acres. Mm, That sounds lovely. Like nothing like huge swaths of the ocean that are completely inhospitable. Dead, dead. And then my last one, the one can't get enough of, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Oh yes, that one I know about. Yeah, so this is also known as Abu Dhabi. Is <laughs> an environmental disaster caused just by our waste because we love to buy stuff and then throw it out. Mm-hmm. So this mass of marine debris is located in the North Pacific Ocean, and it's made up of barely visible pieces of plastic um, brought together by the NPG. So the NPG. It's a vortex. It's caused by four different ocean currents. You've got California, North Equatorial, the Kuroshio, and the North Pacific. So they're spinning their waters. And this that converge of that sends the water and debris clockwise. So it starts all spinning together. And it creates this, quote unquote, patch of microplastics that get caught in the currents and they end up in this one spot. Mm -hmm. They have estimated that the surface area is now 1.6 million square kilometers. That is an area twice the size of Texas or three times the size of France is a plastic waste island. And I'm sure that if it keeps getting bigger, it's not at all gonna start affecting the currents of the ocean or that which affects the weather then, which is then gonna make all sorts of stuff going on. It's all good, folks. Who knew we were all connected? But we love to be connected with you, dear listeners. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye.